You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. I'm missing Brian tonight. This is John Schneider, your normal co-host, now just a host. Missing Brian tonight because he took a trip out of town and was hoping to get back by 10 o'clock tonight, but doesn't look like he's been able to make it just yet. Hopefully, at some point in the show, he'll join up and join in. But we've got to get this recorded because Catherine needs to get it edited and out the door so that we can get this preview going. The preview is for probably the first pivotal game of the season, of the 2020 season. Right now, the Hokies are in a sort of small hole in the image, sports media image issue. We've got 2-0. We are the top running offense We have a decent passing offense. It's not beautifully when you're running the way we do. Do you need a huge passing offense? So, yeah, you know, we'll live with that. But the point is, is that what we're running into is an image of perception and of program perception and program image and coaching image. And frankly, this is my opinion. There are a lot of sports analysts. Ah, Brian's about to join in. So, hey, Brian, um, I kind of got started because we needed to get this going. I was just talking to everybody about the fact that we've got this kind of first pivotal game coming up with Carolina, and you and I have talked about it before, but it's like I'm trying to figure out after I'm going through all my research today, why is UNC ranked eighth? There's nothing on the field that tells me that UNC should be ranked eighth. It seems like every time UNC is always overrated, overranked, and it seems like a lot of the hype this year is because UNC is recruiting so well right now, and whatever that means on the 2020 team is nothing. But there's a lot of hype, and everybody likes Mac Brown. He's the cool grandpa like Coach Beamer was a few years ago, and I don't understand the hype. But there's some talent there. There's, I think, a lot of this. That's totally agreed. I know there's some talent there, but I'm like looking at Carolina 
They've played two games. They are 2-0, and but they played a 31-6 to smoking of Syracuse. Well, everybody, including the high school football team, could smoke Syracuse right now. It's just Syracuse is, is having serious problems. Hopefully, Dino Babers can get his team out of the hole, but you know how that goes. Yeah, they beat Syracuse and they beat Boston College, and they barely beat Boston College, which Boston College is a competitive team, but they're in the process of a rebuild again with Jeff Halfley. But back to Carolina, we were talking about Sam Howell, and he's a special quarterback, and, and they got great receivers, and, and Brown and Daz Newsom, who we know here with the Hokies, with his dad and brother playing here. And then there's the running back, Michael Carter's a good player. I really like their offense. And it, what surprises me through the first two games is their defense is one of the top-ranked groups in the country is the rush defense. So I think the key matchup going into this week is – My big thing is, is that I don't see defense. that. I do not see anybody saying – they haven't played anybody. To defend against Syracuse's pathetic I'm offense. Not, yeah, that, that's yeah. what I was going to say is, is Syracuse – we're going to find out who's for real this weekend, our rushing offense yeah. or their rushing defense. That's going to be what wins the game, and hopefully our quarterback, whoever it's going to be. When you saw, I wrote an article this week talking about Hendon Hooker's is full go, but I do believe that we're going to find out, is their rush defense for real or is their rushing offense for real? I think their rush defense is good. Their front seven's good, but I do think our rushing offense is for real. Do I think we're going to run for 300 yards Saturday? Maybe not, but I do think we're going to have a good game running football. So that's my point. It's like, okay, their rushing defense is not ranked eight or not responsible for them to be ranked eight. Nothing is responsible for them to be ranked eight other than what you brought up, which is the sort of, we used to call it athletic supporter sniffing, or we'll call them coach short sniffing for Mac Brown. Because remember, he was also a part of the media for a while again, too. So he's got that dual love that he's going to get no matter what. And face it, Herb Street was dumping on Virginia Tech again today. I was reading something. Herbie does not like Fuente. There are a lot of people that seems to have it in for Fuente and and Fuente and the Virginia Tech Hokies. So I'm seeing a lot of steam and not a lot of pressure. So, yeah, this is a pivotal game. We are actually the better team. I don't know if we're ranked eight, okay? But we are actually on the field, not just on paper, but on the field the better team. The only thing that's holding UNC up on paper is the love that they have for the coach and the fact that most football analysts are in love with quarterbacks. They've got a good team. We'll see. It's a solid team, but their stats don't reflect the way people are thinking about them. No, this is the case with Miami every year. Is Every year for the past 15 years, everybody's saying this is Miami back this year, and they're saying it again this year. I think Miami has a more a, more of a case for saying are they back this year than, than what North Carolina does this year. I do think North Carolina is a good top 25 team. I do think they're overranked at eight. I definitely do, but it's our job to knock them off. But what we need this week is healthy bodies, and we haven't had that for the last two weeks, and we somehow managed to pull those games out. We need healthy bodies, and, and I think it's too early to say what we're hearing or what we think because we're not going to know who's on the field until noon Saturday when they announce an hour before the game that who's not playing, who didn't make the trip, and I'm not sure what you're hearing or anything, but we'll see. No, I haven't heard anything, and of course, that's one of the smacks against Fuente is that he doesn't say anything to anybody. You know, I mean, there's no trickling out. There's no leaks. There's no favorite reporters that he puts his arm around and says, well, if I tell you this, make sure that you don't credit it to me. 
it's sort of on background, but you can go ahead and sort of talk about it. You know, that kind of stuff. He doesn't do that stuff. I haven't noticed he does that stuff at all. And he kind of keeps all of the reporters at arm's length. And, you know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's not a good thing. Frank was a different kind of guy. Frank was an old country boy with the, you know, not that, not that Fuente isn't, but they're different parts of the country. And Fuente is not a glad hander. He's not a backslapper. He's one of these all business kind of cowboy guys that gets out on the field and he's going to do business. And then off the field, he's going to go be with his team and teach his team and coach his team. He's not really as interested in the steam. And the steam, the press stuff is actually kind of important. I mean, it's an entertainment, right? College football is an entertainment. Yeah, one stat, when I was reviewing North Carolina, one stat that I found particularly interesting about Sam Howe, who made a name last year as a freshman for the big plays, and he's got two really good receivers in Brown and, and Newsom, as we mentioned, but he hasn't completed a pass over 20 yards this year, which was, was a little bit surprising. This week, he's going to test our secondary. Whether we got all of our guys back or not, he's going to test the secondary. And we know that they can run the football with Carter, but he's going to test the secondary. We're going to find out if our guys are healthy and good or not because they're going to – they tested us last year. We know what a wild game that was last oh, year. Oh, yeah. And I believe we're going to – we need to get pressure with our front four. Definitely need to get pressure. And I heard some – I don't know. I don't want to specify. I shouldn't say it, but our, one of our defensive linemen could be out this weekend. So, but I'm not going to mention any names. So let's just hope because we don't, like you said earlier, we we just don't know. And it's not fair to mention it, anything that you hear because of the restrictions that's going on with this, with this virus. And it's, it's just a crazy time. Yeah, it is. It makes it really hard to do a quality review. I'll tell you, because I was going through all the stats and looking at BC and looking at Syracuse, like I said, the Syracuse game, I just stopped even looking at the stats. The Syracuse game didn't even look like it was serious. So, you know, it, it's one of those things that... Not, not to interrupt you, John, didn't, wasn't there a three-week gap in between the Syracuse uh, game and the BC game? Yeah, the Syracuse game was played on September 12th, and the BC game was played on October 3rd. So, yeah, yeah that was like a two-week gap or whatever. That was huge where our delay was to start the season theirs yeah. was starting and then stopping so yeah and, early buys are always a mess yeah i think there, there's going to be some some rust and everybody's going to be knocking rust off every week with what's going on here with the virus so i just hope we have a healthy roster for the most part especially in the secondary that we're going to need yeah. those guys yeah that's true so after we come back from the break we're going to talk about a little bit about the Hokies with as much information as we have and where we think things are going to go. So if everybody will hang in there, listen to the messages, and we'll be back after this break. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. Before the break, John and I were reviewing this week's game between number 8 North Carolina and the Hokies, and we talked a little bit about North Carolina's offense, Virginia Tech's offense, strength versus strength, things of that nature. And I was going over the game this weekend, and one of the interesting facts, to this weekend's game is on ABC, which which I find amusing because that's a big-time game when it's on actual ABC. That's the broadcast. I'm not sure. It doesn't look like it's regional. It looks like it's a, it, it's a national broadcast. Yeah, and I found it, as I was talking to you earlier, John, the play-by-play guy is someone I've never heard of. Bob was, was choosing or something. It's spelled it W-I-S-C-H-U-S-E-N, but the analyst is Dan Orlovsky, former quarterback at UConn, played in the NFL for several years. 
one of my favorite analysts out there. And of course, Harrisburg's own Marty Smith is back doing the sideline. So that'll be cool. Yeah, well, that's good. I like the idea of being able to be seen on national broadcast TV every once in a while. It's a really, really good recruiter. And that's really important for these games, especially this year with all this COVID stuff going on and the attenuated season and some of these visits that aren't happening. These kids get at least to see with the limited availability of the ACC network. It's nice to see it. You spoke of recruiting, and and, and this is huge for that because we, we kind of always battle North Carolina recruiting-wise. And there for a few years, we were kicking their tail when we got guys like Dax and Trey Turner and Alan Tisdale and Hendon and those guys. And the past year, they've been kicking their butts a little bit on the recruiting trail, but they, don't, they still haven't been able to beat us on the field. Let's hope that stays that way. But this is huge for that game this weekend because it's all about image and with with these kids playing you know, they got Grimes from, from Virginia Beach, number one player in the state, five-star guy. He actually enrolled early and is the third-string corner for Carolina this year. So it, it's going to be an interesting battle, and we need to win for that purposes. If you look at Justin Fuente's record against North Carolina teams and in the state of North Carolina, he can go down there and say he owns the state and get all those kids. So We've had a fluke last year's Duke fluke. I think that was something else besides, I really do. I think there was something else going on. And we talked about it before. Justin Fuente in recruiting seems to have owned Carolina. And as far as football, we seem to have pretty much beaten up on Carolina too. Here's a couple of notes about Fuente's domination over the teams from the state of North Carolina, which is primarily the four ACC schools, but it may include an East Carolina appearance here or there. But he's 10-1 and against teams from the state of North Carolina since he's taken over. This is his fifth season. But the one loss is, of course, the fluke you mentioned last year in Blacksburg. We talked enough about that last week. But he's 4-0 and against UNC, and he's 5-0 and in games played in the state of North Carolina. And he's 3-0 and against Duke, and he's 2-0 and against UNC. So let's hope that form follows and substance and follows form, which follows substance, right? We got a nice improving spiral on that one. Yeah. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I think the date was 2016 when we went down there and played Carolina when the hurricane came and it was, I think it was, it was 16, his first year when yeah. we beat him 34 to three. We've talked about that plenty of time over the years and it'd be nice to have a repeat this weekend as far as the result, just hope for no hurricanes. That's where the old Hokie myth that Hokies are mutters came from with Gerard Evans and, and that crew playing in that absolute deluge downpour and still pouring it on. That was when Carolina was supposed to wax our lips and make us look bad and everything and, and to come away with that one in their home. That was a pretty special win. For some reason, Fuente really likes beating North Carolina more than he I think he likes beating North Carolina more than he does Virginia. Almost, Yeah. And given his recruiting territory, I can see why. He liked to beat Larry Fedora. Oh, yeah. He loved beating up on Larry Fedora. And I don't think he minds going after Mac Brown because, you know, as fond and as friendly a relationship as Mac Brown had with Frank Beamer, and they were, they were very tight friends, you know, golfing buddies and that kind of stuff. I don't think Fuente and Mac Brown have any great love for each other. <laughs> and, they're, and they're not going to with Mac coming to Virginia and taking players and Fuente going to North Carolina and taking players. It's going to be kind of an intense little little rivalry if both guys stay in place for a few years. Yeah. So on the tech side of the ball, let's just talk about what we've got. We talked a little bit about it before. We've got a defense that we still don't know completely how it's going to be built. 
We do know that they're going to be good players. They're going to put a lot of stuff on the field and play their hearts out. But whether we're going to get the first, second, or the first string, second string, or backups right now is it's going to be a day-to-day thing. And I don't think we're going to hear about it until Saturday. I think you're right. On the offense, okay, I love Hendon Hooker. I will admit this. He's a really great kid. The Hooker family is a wonderful family, and he's been a super wonderful Hokie. He really has. He puts everything into it. He's cerebral. He's a student of the football game. He goes out there. He absorbs stuff. He pays attention. He gets better each game. I really love Hendon Hooker, but he's going to be a little rusty. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on Hendon. I'm a, I'm a big fan as well, and and I hope it's him taking snaps this weekend. I, I don't mean that to disrespect the two other guys because I like they put it on. Too. They put it on the field. Both of those guys have put it on the field. I love I, both of them. I want to see Hendon with this offense with these group of guys that he's proven he can score a lot of points with these guys. And I think with Hendon under center versus Burmeister, there's going to be more of a deep passing element to the offense. Burmeister proved he could hit a couple of deep passes to Tavion last week. One of them, of course, was incomplete, was dropped, and the other one was a big touchdown. So I really like the aspect of Hendon with the offense, especially the big play element with the arm. Yeah, I like the fact that RPO works really well with Hooker. RPO doesn't necessarily work real well with Burmeister or with Quincy. Quincy not being a complete passer, Burmeister not having the fastest release on the planet. You've got to have a really quick release for that RPO to work because if you don't, if you don't see who's open, if you don't, then you have guys downfield and you get in trouble, right? So it's one of those things that Hooker can run that RPO. And if you can get that third stage of Fuente's offense to operate, if you can get that RPO working out of the read option, and so that you've got the running back quarterback run plus short inside passes or medium-length inside passes, suddenly the field opens up in the middle where it hasn't been before. It's something we complained about missing for the last two games. That cup-shaped route pattern that developed for two games goes away, and suddenly you fill in the middle of the cup with some opportunity. So it'd be interesting to see if that happens this time. I would really like to see a few of those. Yeah, I want to see Mitchell's role in the offense continue to grow. He has three receptions in each of the first two games. He's capable of so much more. And he had a nice rapport with Hendon last year. And I'd really want to see Trey Turner heavily involved in the offense. Trey is a big play guy, but he's a great player. I want to see him. I want to see Trey go over 100. Trey needs a little bit more velocity on the ball than what Burmeister was putting into it. If you can't get velocity on the ball, Trey's got to slow down in order to get under the pattern. And that doesn't bode well for the end of the pattern. He'll catch it, but then he's not going anywhere with it, you know? So I'd like to see the rust be knocked off real quick and have Hendon Hooker pick himself up, you know, kind of dust it off and then feel like he's playing football again. Because, you know, this will be, this would be his first game. And you know how, no matter how many times you've gotten on the field, Mm -hmm. the first game's always kind of jitters. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, that's the Hokies that we know of. We'll be updating any articles. You've got the your review article coming out, and then this article, you know, the article that wraps around this podcast will come out. You know, the uniform and the other fun stuff that we get, who gets to be 25 and things like that. So everybody stay tuned. we got stuff coming up. Brian and I are both really tired, so we'd like to shut it down. And so everybody will take care. and. Keep the thoughts up. Don't let the 
sports pundits get you down. We're a better team than what they think we are, and we're going to go out and prove it. Right, Brian? That's right, and it's a big weekend, and let's go let's go 1-0 to make it 3-0. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.